Brothers and sisters, I would ask if you would please turn with me today in your Bibles to our our text, which comes from the Gospel of Mark. Let's be looking at chapter 10 and verses 46 to 52. So Mark chapter 10, verses 46 to 52. Mark chapter 10, verses 46 to 52. Please then, brothers and sisters, hear with me then the the reading of God's Word. And they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples in a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on his way. Thus far is the reading of God's Word. Our Lord's message to the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 when Paul was being assailed by the messenger of Satan, which in turn caused him to cry out to the Lord in relief as a message that is trustworthy and true today. As Paul was told, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. It is this message though, that has fallen on deaf ears with many Christians today. As believers do not want to face adversity. They don't want their faith tried by Christ. They do not want their comfort shaken. They do everything that they can to avoid affliction. They do not want to deal with discouragements. They don't want their faith messed with or or rattled in any way. Many believers today want their faith to function within a protective bubble. And they want their faith to function within this protective bubble because there their faith feels comfortable to them. There they, they don't ever have to question the veracity of their faith because they never deal with the hard questions that would make them question their profession. 
People want their faith to function within a protective bubble because they don't want their life turned upside down. They don't want to be faced with those difficult questions. They don't want to go through tough times which might actually reveal to them the true nature of their faith. But you see, brothers and sisters, when we try to live the Christian life in a protective bubble, we miss out on experiencing the sufficient grace of God in our lives. It's when we try to avoid trials. It's when we try to avoid discouragements that our faith does not grow. It is when we try to escape the the testings and the tryings of Christ upon our faith that we lose out on those opportunities to grow in our fullness of assurance of faith. You miss out in times of trials and discouragements opportunities to go to Christ in prayer. To, To plead for His mercy. To then see His response. It is when you try to avoid suffering that you do not look, that you do not learn to look outside of yourself but to Christ for the grace and mercy and peace that you so desperately need in those times. It is when you try to escape every difficult circumstance that would reveal your weakness that you miss out on experiencing the the power of God in your life. You see, it is in these dark and difficult and trying times that we ought to see them as opportunities given to us by God to exercise our faith in Him. And in exercising our faith in Him, we receive a greater measure of grace and mercy that we otherwise would not experience. You see, it is in trials. It is in our discouragements that we also have opportunities to to glorify God. And I say this all because I want us to see, brothers and sisters, that we are not to view discouragements. We are not to view trials. We are not to view affliction as something that is bad. We are not to, to view them as something that is to be escaped, but rather we are to view them as something that is to be preferred. That is something that is to even be more desired than ease and comfort and prosperity. And in our text today, we, we receive a great reminder of that. For it is in this encounter with blind Bartimaeus that we get to see the nature of true faith expressed. As it is because of Bartimaeus' affliction that he comes to recognize his own weakness. And in seeing his own weakness, we see the the grace of God then put on full display. For it is in his blindness that he turns to God, pleads his mercy. And it is there then that his faith is increased. That his belief and obedience is multiplied and God's glory is most clearly then manifested and seen. This encounter here today is a reminder and a picture for us of what true faith looks like in the life of the believer. 
And we ought to use it to, to test ourselves against today. Right? Let us use this text this morning. And let us examine ourselves under it to see if we have the characteristics of true and saving faith set forth for us in our encounter today. And if we do, let it then be a reason for us to rejoice in the Lord. Let it be a reason for us to to have a greater assurance of faith in Christ today. Now we will look to unpack what the true faith of Bartimaeus looked like in three points this morning. And the three points are these. First, true faith is not afraid to cry out and plead mercy. True faith is not afraid to cry out and plead mercy. Point number two, true faith is persistent and seeks to remove all impediments to its growth. True faith is persistent and seeks to remove all impediments to its growth. And then our third and final point will be that true faith manifests itself in thankfulness and a more earnest pursuit of Christ. True faith manifest itself in thankfulness and a more earnest pursuit of Christ. So point number one, true faith is not afraid to to cry out and plead mercy. Please look with me once more, starting in verse 46. We read this. And they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with the disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me. Now Mark sets up this encounter for us by first providing us a little bit of backstory, does he not? He tells us that as Jesus is heading to Jerusalem, He is not alone, but rather He is amongst a a great crowd. And this would make sense after learning some things in our prior lessons. Jesus is headed toward Jerusalem for what? For the feast of the Passover. And so this is a pilgrimage that a great many Jews make. And so as we see here, Jesus is not alone. And it is not just Jesus and the twelve, but it is Jesus with a great number of Jews who are traveling to Jerusalem to make the pilgrimage to celebrate the Passover feast. Now Jericho is about 15 miles northeast of Jerusalem. And Jericho is also 3,300 feet lower in altitude than Jerusalem. So they are going to be walking up towards Jerusalem together. And obviously then the the beggars are going to know the the road that they travel. Because this is a road that the Jews travel every year. And so what do the beggars do? They know it's the time that the Jews will be traveling. And so they, they situate themselves and sit alongside the road in order that they might beg for money and for food from those who are traveling. And so we see here it is it is Bartimaeus' blindness that forces him into the life of a beggar. 
It is Bartimaeus' blindness that, that is the reason that he is upon the side of the road that day. And we are told that as Bartimaeus sits on the side of the road, he hears that it is Jesus of Nazareth who is passing by. And upon hearing this, we're told in verse 47 that he cries out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Now the faith of Bartimaeus, I want us to see, is is first evident in what he calls Jesus, in in the title that he gives Jesus. He says, Jesus, Son of David. Right? Son of David is a, is a messianic title. We read this in Matthew chapter 22, verses 41 and 42. We are told, Now while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them a question, saying, What do you think about the Christ? What do you think about the Messiah? What do you think about this anointed one? Whose son is he? They say, the son of David. So they, they identify the Messiah as the son of David. It was this reason that we're told likewise in Matthew's Gospel that as Jesus rides upon the donkey in His triumphal entry, that the scribes and Pharisees become angry because there are people following Christ who are crying out, Hosanna, son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! The scribes and the Pharisees understand what the people are saying. They are saying Jesus is the Messiah. And so they become indignant that people are saying that. And so it is in Bartimaeus' confession that we see what he means when he calls out, Jesus, Son of God. He is not just calling out to Jesus as many did, as just a miracle worker, or just a good teacher or just a rabbi, but he is calling out to the one whom he believes to be the Messiah. He is calling out to Jesus as the Messiah, the one who he knows has come to give sight to the blind and to set the captives free. This is who Bartimaeus is confessing and professing. And I want us to see here, brothers and sisters, that poor, beggarly, Blind Bartimaeus knew more of the person of Christ than all of the learned scribes and Pharisees did combined. And it was out of that knowledge and from his faith in Jesus that he demonstrates this by outwardly professing Christ to be the Messiah. And in doing so, he teaches us that likewise we must outwardly profess Christ. Our inward feelings and our inward confession must manifest itself outwardly to Christ. For true faith recognizes that help and comfort and deliverance only comes from God. And guess what? Our afflictions help teach us that even more, do they not? Bartimaeus knew that no one or nothing could remove his blindness. Nothing or no one could give him sight but the Lord alone. And so there was no other place for Bartimaeus to turn. He was helpless. And so, brothers and sisters, in turn, this ought to teach us 
that when we go through affliction, our faith ought to manifest itself outwardly to God. Likewise, recognizing our own helplessness, crying out to Him, placing our faith and trust in Christ our Redeemer, recognizing that we too have no other place to go. We have no other one to turn to. And yet, think about it. Think about it. When we deal with difficulties at work, when we get a a bad diagnosis from the doctor, when we are struggling maybe with a, a tough decision in life, where is it that we often turn to and go to first? It is to our family. It is to our friends. Perhaps it is to a doctor. Many of us maybe internalize it and and keep it bottled up inside. But what does Bartimaeus show us? That the first person that we are to turn to whenever we are afflicted or dealing with discouragements is the Lord and the Lord alone. And Hannah, the mother of Samuel, is a phenomenal example of this. And I want us to look at this together. And so I ask if you would, please turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 1. Turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 1. Early in the chapter we are told the Lord has, has closed the womb of Hannah. And she is troubled greatly for she cannot bear a child for her husband. And we'll pick up here in verse 10 reading this. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, Then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. And as she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart. Only her lips moved, and her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli took to her to be a drunken woman. And Eli said to her, How long will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered, No, my Lord, I am a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for all along I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. Then Eli answered, Go in peace. And the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to Him. And she said, Let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. We are told then in verse 20, In due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son. She called his name Samuel, for she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. And so I want us to see, brothers and sisters, that it was the affliction 
that the Lord gave Hannah that was the reason that she fleed to God in prayer. It was this affliction that caused her to be diligent in prayer. It was out of her sadness and distress that she pleaded with God and continually pleaded with God, speaking out of her anxiety and vexation. I want us to see that when you turn inwardly, when we have these troubles, all that it does, brothers and sisters, is make you more miserable. But this is the reason why God gives us recourse in prayer. Why He gives us affliction. It is in order to stir us to prayer. To drive us to Christ. To cry out and to cast our burdens upon the Lord. I want us to see that without affliction, Hannah and Bartimaeus very well may have been like many of us here today. And that is cold. And that is negligent. And that is indifferent to our duties. But their affliction that God gave to them would not allow it. It caused them to cry out with their entire being, feeling the great weight of and the misery of their pain. And it is through their prayers that God answers their petitions. And so we are to understand likewise that oftentimes we, we have not because we ask not. What does James tell us in chapter 5, verse 13? Is any among you suffering? Let him pray. What is it that Jesus says? Seek and you will find. He says, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. But I want us to see that without affliction and without trouble, would we ever go to the Lord in prayer to ask? Right? If you were not stricken with affliction, would we ever take the opportunity to go to the Lord and ask? And so, brothers and sisters, I want us to see how profitable then affliction is to you and I. What good results from our affliction for those who by faith and cry out to the Lord for His aid. Right? This is what true faith does. It cries out to the Lord. But what else does true faith do? What is it at the very, what is it at the very core is it that Bartimaeus and Hannah are doing? As Bartimaeus is pleading for a sight, Hannah is asking for a child. But underneath it all, what is it that they are truly seeking? They are seeking the mercy of God. They are pleading the mercy of their Lord. They are asking for the free compassion of God upon them. Do you see that Bartimaeus does not come pleading his own merits? He does not come telling God of His own worthiness. He doesn't say, Lord, I believe You. I serve You. I'm good to my neighbor. I go to church. I, I, I pray. I fast. No, He comes pleading no worthiness of His own before Christ. Simply pleads mercy. That's all He does. He pleads the mercy of God. He asks for the free compassion of God upon a sinner. And I ask you today, brothers and sisters, is this how you pray? Do you come pleading God's mercy and His mercy alone? Or do you come like the Pharisee in Luke chapter 18 who desires to have his prayer answered by pointing to his own righteousness, saying, Lord, I'm not like 
the adulterer. I'm not like the idolater. I'm not like the unjust person. I fast twice a week and I tithe all that I get. Is that how we pray? Is that how we come to the Lord? Or do we come like the one who is contrasted to Him in that parable? Or the tax collector who only says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Understand this, brothers and sisters. It is mercy that we need. And yet, it is mercy that we do not deserve. It is mercy and God's mercy that we do not have claim or title to. And if we are desirous of this mercy, then it is to the Father of mercies that we must go to. Whose mercy is the result of His goodness whose mercy is infinite, whose mercy is eternal and overflowing. And so, brothers and sisters, if any of us be discouraged in this life, I exhort you to to flee to the mercy of God. Claim the mercy of God. Lay hold of the mercy of God. Entreat God for His mercy, knowing that God loves to show His people mercy. God delights in mercy. He is pleased when when He provides for His people mercy. Mercy is what He delights in. And yet mercy is what he, He shows to each and every one of us. Sinner and saint alike to some degree. But how much greater is God's covenant mercies to His people? How much greater are His covenant mercies to you and I? As Thomas Watson says, to have health is a mercy. But to have Christ and salvation is a greater mercy. It is like the diamond in the ring which casts a more sparkling luster. And this then leads us, brothers and sisters, to to point number two. In point one, we said that true faith cries out and pleads mercy. On point number two, we see that true faith is persistent and seeks to remove all impediments to its growth. So look with me please and starting at verse 48. We read this. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. What is the first thing that we see recorded here in verse 48? As Bartimaeus cries out to the Lord, we are told that he is rebuked. Bartimaeus is rebuked. They they tell him, be silent. Be quiet. Nobody wants to hear what you have to say. But how does Bartimaeus respond? Does Bartimaeus temper his affection for the Lord? Does Bartimaeus silence the petition of his heart to his king at the behest of what others were saying? No. Instead, we are told he cries out, all the more. Discouragements were not going to stop him. And there could have been many discouragements to Bartimaeus that day. Not only the crowd, but also Jesus as well. 
as the first time he, he pleads with Jesus for mercy. Christ does not respond. It is not until He continually and continually pleads that we are told Jesus stops. But that is to show us, brothers and sisters, how effectual the diligent prayers of the saints are. That we are not just given things immediately, but we must be exercising ourselves in diligent and earnest and continual prayer. And why is that? It's to test our faith. It's to test our faith. When you become discouraged, do you give up? Do you set aside your faith? Do you quit? Or do you persevere in faith, wrestling with God like Jacob for His blessing? And it's here, brothers and sisters, I want us to really stop and see the true nature of faith evidenced by blind Bartimaeus. For this is something we ourselves are going to have to exemplify more and more in our day and age as there is greater and greater hostility to those of the Christian faith. So I want us to see this. The more that Bartimaeus faced opposition, the more that Bartimaeus was attacked, the the more that Bartimaeus was discouraged, the more Bartimaeus' faith grew. As his discouragements grew, his faith grew all the more. And this is how it ought to be for every believer here today. Right? When you are discouraged at school, when you are discouraged at work, when you are discouraged by family or friends or the, the government, not to practice your faith or confess Christ as your Savior or gather for worship. We of, uh, who are true believers with true faith are not to cower. We are not to hide. But in fact, our faith ought to, ingre- ought to grow and be in- increased and emboldened. Knowing that true faith is not overcome by the world, but rather true faith overcomes the world. As one author puts it, Faith is our shield which vanquishes all fiery darts. Faith is our shield which vanquishes all fiery darts. And so, brothers and sisters, this ought to teach us in times of distress that we are not to succumb to the pressures of the world. For the pressure will only last for a time. And soon Christ will come to give His people comfort and mercy. Just as Bartimaeus was met with discouragement from this crowd and from Jesus, not seemingly hearing His first petition. That discouragement that He dealt with only lasted so long before Christ comforted His faith and relieved Him of His affliction. And I want us to see this, that if it is true of His physical affliction, how much truer will it be for us who deal with spiritual affliction? How much more true is it that He will come and comfort and deliver us for those of us who are dealing with spiritual bouts with sin, where we are dealing with with weaknesses in our faith, when we are dealing with doubt, are we a true child of God? It is us who must be persistent in faith, who must be driven to the foot of the cross, to the to the throne of grace, who must labor in prayer, believing that this discouragement and this distress will not last our entire lives, but soon our Heavenly Father will have pity on His children and will give to us 
relief and comfort. That is something, brothers and sisters, that we ought to see. And this is what we see in Jesus' encounter with Bartimaeus. In verse 49, we are told he, he stops and says, Call him! And isn't this a great reversal now? Those who first told him to shut his mouth and to be quiet, they now say, take heart, get up, look, he's calling you. And immediately, what does Bartimaeus do? He takes off his cloak and he casts it aside. And he throws aside that which weighed him down and he springs up and comes to Christ. And it's in this casting aside of his cloak, casting aside that which weighed him down, that we learn that we likewise ought to shake off anything that impedes our growth in faith. And those things that stand in our way to our faith in Christ are great and many are they not. The remaining corruption of our nature continually tugs on our hearts, wants to pull us and draw us into sin. And yet we must not listen, brothers and sisters, but rather we must labor to daily and continually be killing sin, to deaden sin, to quiet that sin that arises continuously in our heart. And we do it by not giving in, but by daily surrendering both body and soul to Christ. How about the world? Right? The, the world likewise tries to draw us away from Christ and hinder our growth in faith, does it not? The world presents itself to us as a, as a caring and loving friend that just wants companionship with us. The world's just, I just want companionship. Come and, and be friends with me. But they are looking to deceive us. And so we must flee the world, separate ourselves from it, break fellowship with the world, and rather flee to true fellowship and true companionship with Christ and the saints. Those who truly love our souls. For the world only wants companionship with us. They only seek friendship with us in order that they might help to destroy our souls. And so we are to shake off that internal corruption. We are to shake off the world by fleeing to Christ. Making Him the center of our life. Right? We, we cast off the world and we cast off that internal corruption by seeking and setting our minds upon things that are above. Right? By coming after Christ daily by seeking to know His will better and His Word better, to seeking to be in constant communion and fellowship with Him better, and to seek to be in constant communion and fellowship with the saints. These are the things, brothers and sisters, that we ought to be giving our time and attention to. These are the things that exhibit who has true faith. And this is what Bartimaeus demonstrates for us in this encounter. That his faith is persistent. And that he will cast aside or set aside all things that would inhibit his growth in faith. And this then takes us to our third and our final point this morning. Which is that true faith manifests itself in thankfulness and a more earnest pursuit of Christ. And so look with me please at verse 51 to the end. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Now what about Jesus' response sounds extremely familiar to us. 
This is not the, the question that he asked Bartimaeus. This is not the exact same question that he asked James and John that we read about last week. What do you want me to do for you? And unlike James and John who responded sinfully, desiring their own temporal glory and honor, we get a much different response from Bartimaeus today, don't we? As Bartimaeus simply desires to be set free from the prison of his physical blindness. And Jesus hears his request and answers, telling him, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately Bartimaeus is given sight. Now when Jesus says, your, your faith has made you well, we understand that Jesus is not saying, your faith has merited you your sight, or your faith has now earned you your sight. As we had already said, His blindness is restored out of the mercy of God, the, the free compassion of God. And so, what rather Jesus is saying to him is that His faith was the instrument God used to cause him to realize the goodness and the power of God. And it was the exercise of that faith in Christ which was the means by which he enjoyed the blessings of Christ. And so once his faith was restored, he immediately follows Jesus on his way to Jerusalem. And here I want us to see the the thankfulness of Bartimaeus and what true thankfulness from true saints ought to look like. Because what you think someone might do who has just received such a miracle, Bartimaeus does not do. Alright? What does someone do if they, if they just had this miraculous thing done, they were, they were just given sight, what do you think it is they would do? They would immediately run to their family. They would immediately go to their friends and show themselves. Perhaps even boastfully, they would go to those and say, look, Look what Christ has done for me. Perhaps they would just lay back in the grass for hours and stare up at the sky that they have not been able to see. Perhaps like many of us, they would, they would travel the, the world and see all the things that they have una- been unable to see. But Bartimaeus does not do that. We are told as soon as Bartimaeus is given sight, Bartimaeus follows Christ. And this is a lesson to us all. That we who were once in spiritual darkness, dead in our trespasses and sins, having been given eyes, spiritual eyes now to see, that we are not to use that newness of life as an occasion to sin or to to say, oh, we have reached the mountaintop. We no longer need to pursue Christ. But rather, we are to, like Bartimaeus, Pursue Christ all the more. Those things that were once precious to us in our life prior to Christ ought to be precious to us no more. And the greatest desire of our lives ought to be pursuing Christ and being in constant communion and fellowship with Him. Pursuing Christ and walking with Him daily should be what we long for most in this world. As this is what true faith affects in the life of the believer, one who has been restored to the image of Christ. Now, so many are half-hearted and negligent in the pursuit of Christ, but that is because they fail to comprehend the, the misery of their own sins which Christ had freed them from the bondage of. 
Because if you truly understand the supernatural work that God has done in your life, then it would show itself in thankfulness to God. That is what true and lively faith does. That is what the true faith of Bartimaeus did. It manifests itself in thankfulness to God. And so is that the, the thankfulness that each of you who have been redeemed by His blood feels here today? Do you have an inward thankfulness of heart that expresses itself outwardly in obedience to Christ before men? Do you have a thankfulness that expresses itself in word and deed, no matter who might discourage you in this world. A thankfulness that manifests itself in continual prayer and praise and worship, seeking to glorify God in everything that you think, say, and do. Paul tells the church in Thessalonica in chapter 5, verse 18, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Thanksgiving is what God commends His saints. Psalm 50, verse 23, The one who offers thanksgiving as His sacrifices glorifies Me. The hypocrite is relieved of their discouragement and their discomfort and their affliction. And they quickly flee God. They forget about God. But the true believer expresses faith by turning back to Christ and returning that thanksgiving for all of the mercy that He has shown us today. And so, brothers and sisters, if you today have discovered that you have these true characteristics of faith that you see in your own life, That when discouragement and affliction arise, that you cry and plead mercy. That you are persistent and that you remove all impediments to your growth in faith. If you find yourself being someone who is thankful to the Lord and who is in earnest pursuit of Him, then brothers and sisters, you ought to rejoice this day and have a fuller assurance of faith. But if you discover that you have none of these characteristics that we read today, then you must turn to Christ. You must plead His mercy. You must place your faith in Him. For the Jesus that we have read about today, who heard and answered the cries of Bartimaeus, is the same Jesus who is here today, who promises, to hear and to help all who call upon His name. Please, if you would, bow your heads with me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for Your Word as it reveals to us Your words of eternal life. We pray, Father, that You would implant this Word upon our hearts today that we would digest this Word throughout the week, and that we would live out the truths of the words that You have taught us this very day, so that we might glorify You in our lives. And Father, we ask this in Christ's name we pray. Amen.